SNMA is continuing its Sowing Seeds Specialty Series every Wednesday this September. The remaining specialties for this month are dermatology, combined residency, and surgical subspecialties. To tune in, visit the SNMA YouTube page or Facebook Live. You can also access past Sowing Seeds recordings to check out some other specialties you may have missed. For more SNMA opportunities, be sure to sign up for the SNMA Weekly Opportunities Letter. Now, let's start the show. going on everyone welcome to snma presents the lounge whether in the student lounge doctor's lounge or just lounging around at home get ready to join snma for meaningful conversations on topics affecting minorities in medicine and groups that often sit at the margins of healthcare. for our icebreaker today we'll be answering the question if you had to delete all but three apps from your smartphone which ones would you keep and why I think that's a great, great icebreaker. Well, Hmm. I'm student Dr. Isabella, and (laughs) my response to this question, let's see, what three apps would I keep? You know, the funny thing is that I probably use and rotate through the same, like, eight to ten apps, but I have so many apps on my phone. Um, But if I I had to think about, like, the priority and, like, which ones I would keep, I know for a fact I would need to keep at least one social media app. Um, and that would have to be the one that I use the most and and which one I get the most information out of, which is Twitter. <laughs> so like yeah. anything news related, like anything that's going on in this world, I know it because of Twitter. Like I can do without mm. Instagram. I feel mm. like Instagram right now, it's like becoming a really fluffy and like people are posting it's their lives much. in a way that's very fake. So I could do without her, <laughs> that's you <a> know, fact. <laughs> like I could do without her for, you know, but I, I'll stick with Twitter for my news. Um, and then I would also keep my, I keep one shopping app that would be like, you know, cause I, I do a lot of online shopping and I feel like that comes in clutch if I can't find something in store. So I'd keep my Amazon um, app because mm-hmm. I think cause I do order a lot on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would keep a money app so I can continue sending money to people like easily or getting money. So mm-hmm. I'd probably keep my banking mm-hmm. app, which also has like Zelle attached to it. So I'd keep uh, my, my banking app too. Those would be the three that I keep that. I think those are the most important. If I didn't have those three, it uh-huh. might be a little bit hard for me to function. <laughs> Yo, let me give you my cash app and Zelle. Hold on. I'm going to text it to you. All right? You talking about so I can send money. Right, see you. Send and receive. Is out here sending money, y'all. Right. And even student loan refunds. You know what I'm saying? Right. What you got? You know what I'm saying? What you got in that bag? It's the refund. It's the refund. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so I'm student Dr. Alduin, and if I had to say three apps that I need, first off is a news app, because I literally, okay. like, read the news all the time. Like, mm-hmm. before I go to sleep, when I get up in the morning, sometimes so that I'm late for rotations, I'd be reading the news. I'd be, like, oh, wow. so obsessed with what's going on in the world. <laughs> Good. Um, second app would be Down Dog app, which is, like, a yoga app, because I'm really mm-hmm. into yoga and mindfulness and, you know, just feeling just 
that calmness every day, feeling like entitled to something greater. Yoga just gave me a different dimension in living and creating my livelihood and sustainability for myself. So I really love the Down Dog app. And you could select if you want to do yoga for 20 minutes, an hour, and they have different poses, different people speaking to you. So if you want a calm sound or if you want like a loud, boisterous person. And then my third app <laughs> That got to be my Wells Fargo because, you know, I love looking at that okay. change in my own money. Money moves. You feel me? Right? When I, money money me, right? <laughs> when I see them six figures, don da da in there. <laughs> I can't. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So it seems like all of us are definitely sticking with money. Um, this is, <laughs> for real, this is student Dr. Erica Dingle. And I would agree with my co-host. I'm I'm keeping a money app, um, my bank app for sure. That's going to mm-hmm. remain. I will also be keeping my Bible app because I'll be okay. needing to tell people to try Jesus and not me. And I need to go straight to the scriptures for that sometimes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and let's see, a third. Hmm. You know, because I got other devices. So it's like I could have mm-hmm. other stuff on my other, uh, you know, my other devices. Mm-hmm. What would a third app be? It wouldn't be social. Oh, uh, probably either group me or WhatsApp. I would have to like see which mm-hmm. one I talk to people on there most. Group me um, is actually pretty important. I agree yeah, with you on that. I, yeah, I was, yeah, I would say either group me or WhatsApp. And I would lean more towards group me at this point for mm-hmm. sure. So that's interesting, though. We all picked the same money. Who's sending us money? (laughs) But you know, you know what's key, though? I mean, money, money doesn't necessarily buy happiness. And we see even the richest of people are dealing with mental health issues, mental health challenges. And Mm -hmm. on this episode, it's just a little bit different, like self-care, mental health and mental well-being is so critical, especially in healthcare, where there's so many challenges when we come through there's so many expectations so much standards so much pressure so much burden to be successful mm-hmm. especially being of color and coming from the neighborhoods that we come from nothing is you know granted and guaranteed you feel me mm-hmm. and i feel like in this life what's guaranteed death debt especially in med school that we guaranteed yes. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah yes but i think it's important for us to really have this conversation you know about the importance of mental health with physician physician suicide rates doubled that of the general population across the states, mental wellness is always a relevant topic. But especially so this year, where we watched a global pandemic put unbelievable strain on the healthcare system. And you know what's crazy? We're in the middle of a surge right now, and many hospitals across the U.S. are really struggling with resource allocation and bed availability. I'm seeing in Georgia, I was just right in my ER rotation. You know, like a, a lot of people was coming in with COVID and we was like, yo, we can't help you. Even a lady today had pancreatitis and the ER mm. had to turn her away like, with, with the wow. issue that you get admitted for severe right. pancreatitis. You know what I'm saying? She was already having jaundice and all of that. You know what I mean? Pale, wow. all of that. So with that being said, like, let me ask y'all, like, why is mental health so important to both of y'all? And how do you think it impacts your overall well-being, especially being medical students and beautiful black women in the medical realm that oftentimes antagonizes y'all, but y'all always rise to the top so gracefully and with poise. 
Thank you for bringing that up. I love the fact that you added for, especially for black women. That is the, that's the kicker right there. Lord knows, Lord knows that's the kicker right there because my mental health would not look the same as a Caucasian person's mental health, most likely, or a Hispanic woman's mental health. But it's it's going to look different because our experiences and our worldviews are going to be drastically different. And that's going to make all the change. Like that's going to make, like the biggest impact on how I would explain my own perspective on my mental health and why it's important to me. So Mm -hmm. I think that like one being like a, a, like you said, a medical student, very few black women in this field, very, like very few people who look like me and Erica Mm -hmm. who are trying to pursue professions that take a lot of time, that take Mm -hmm. a lot of like mental strain, that take a lot of like pushing yourself to do things you've probably never done and to just do it where you don't have that many people who resemble the way you look and where you feel like it could really be a safe space. So a lot of the time you're, you're fighting these silent battles to, look like like to basically prove not only to yourself, but even maybe to your peers that you are capable of doing this and that you're Mm -hmm. equal to the challenge. Um, But then sometimes people like undermining you because they don't see that many people look like you. So thinking you can't do it anyway, and you have to fight against that too. And so I think with all of those pressures and with all of those like things like uh, those factors um, impacting the way that I ha- like, I've been going through this medical journey, right. I've really, really had to put mental health at the forefront because I realized like if I don't even like feel like waking up today, how can I sit down and study and like retain anything and like feel like I want to mm-hmm. learn this stuff, right? If I just mm-hmm. don't even feel like like this is worth it or like I'm fooling myself or this thing happened yesterday that really put me in a bad space, but like do I even have the capacity to like take that break when I'm already like being told that this is not something I should even be doing in the first place or that people are expecting that I can do. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's like, it really is. It it really is like a a silent battle that not only, you know, black women are fighting, but you know, probably black men are fighting as well. And just everyone's fighting it. But I would say as a black woman, I think it's especially more nuanced. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's why it's so important to me because it's like, we have to be able to speak up and like say that hey like you're not fighting this alone like this is something we all have like other black women are also dealing with who are probably in these professions where it can be very isolating you don't see that many people who look like you you know and Mm -hmm. and all of that very much so Mm -hmm. i hear that i love the words you brought up nuanced and Mm. that's Mm -hmm. it's so nuanced mental health is so nuanced because it's not just you know one day it could be your mental health as a woman is affected. Let's keep it a stack because, you know, your cycle Mm. has started. Mm. Uh, Another day it could be because the dude that you decided to give a chance is acting up, you know, like there's so many different factors and facets to mental health. Um, And why is it important to me? I need to be able to function. Um, being a medical student, I think, is one of the hardest things anybody can do right. in life. It is by far the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. And hardest thing. Hardest. literally, I <laughs> yeah. mean, yeah, facts. literally. And what, what I tell people all the time is life does not stop just because mm-hmm. you're in medical school. And mm-hmm. in order to stay on top of your studies, your scholastics, you know, being competitive when it comes to applying to residency and fellowships, et cetera. Like you have to make sure that your, your mind is stable. Um, That's a fact. 
And there's so many things for me right now. I'll give you a little insight, like where my mental health has kind of been, I guess, shaken. Yes. I have older parents. Um, My mom just turned 70. My dad just turned 75. And my mom has been experiencing some health challenges. So Mm. having to deal with that and be a student, I'm an only child. So I'm like, I'm her caretaker. And Mm. I can't do school and take care of her and not have my mind right. Right. And that might not be everybody's story at this stage, because y'all know I'm older. But there are younger medical students that will experience something, um, you know, something that will, it'll, it'll literally come out of nowhere at the most inopportune time or, or friends getting sick. Like, you know, like little stuff that on a normal day uh, or in, in any other case, let's say you weren't a medical student, you were just working, you could probably handle, but Mm. because you're doing this, it's so hard. So, yeah, I prioritize it for that reason because it that it impacts my overall well-being cuz I have so much other stuff going on. Right, I have right. to make sure that I talk to my therapist at least once every 2 weeks. Right, um right. I have to make sure that I have systems in place to get the stress off. Um right. the self-care that we'll discuss once Alden gives us his reasons behind why mental health is important, but yeah, I am I'm an advocate for it. Get a therapist. Yep. Yeah. Exercise, do something because aside from what Isabella mentioned in terms of just being black and in medicine, life mm-hmm. doesn't stop and there's so much that comes your way while you're in this. So Right. That's right. why I'm a, I'm an advocate for it. What about you, Aldi? Right. Hey. I mean, I loved how you, you know, Isabella again, right, the nuances and then you know, um just Erica, you go into specific challenge that you're facing i think it's important in this process when in regards to mental health that we have to be transparent not all the time but transparent when the occasion rises for us to be so and oftentimes in the black community we just hold all of these traumas and these inherent injustices that have plagued us from the past but also that continue to plague us well into the future and even our own personal issues and it's very difficult because we're taught oh yeah you got to continue keep pushing keep pushing you're gonna get through it man don't show no emotion you don't be weak continue to push through you're gonna be fine instead of acknowledging hey like i'm going through a really tough time and i need someone to talk to i need somebody that can help me like you said erica create these systems that are put into place like you said, Erica, going to a therapist every two weeks, that mm-hmm. due diligence is not only helping your mental health, but it's also helping your physical health. Because we right. find out that what happens mentally connects with what you see and manifest physically. Right. Exactly. And I see it oftentimes on my rotations where people have conversion disorder, where mentally they may be experiencing things and they may have high stress, high anxiety. But physically they're having symptoms of a seizure or a stroke but it's not necessarily a real stroke or a real seizure it's them their body telling them yo you got to take care of yourself and you got to figure out what systems you need to put and be put into place so that physically you're not having all these derangements and then going back to a little what we said earlier about america we're just in a high stress environment you know we talk about our kidneys right that create all the cortisol all these stress hormones these stress Mm -hmm. hormones then 
I was listening to a podcast the other day. These stress hormones then go into our brain and disinhibit our frontal lobe and our, you know, frontal cortex, which causes, mm-hmm. allows us to, you know, have adequate and appropriate decision making, right? And then the chronic what? stresses also mm-hmm. affect our amygdala that controls our emotions. So it also inhibits our amygdala and prevents it from functioning where we can control our emotional intelligence and emotional awareness, where we're just right. all over the pr- place. So yep. chronic stress and not dealing with your mental health can cause physical and recurring mental health problems. And for mm-hmm. me, I think it's important that we sit down and have these discussions all the time, right, in medical school. I mean, I was talking to a student the other day, you know, she was having challenges with one of her board exams. And she said, I went up to my school and like they was like playing me. You know what I mean? Like they mm-hmm. basically was like, you're dumb. You're not going to make it like you you should do wow. better. You're not doing enough. And I'm like, this is not how you, how are you in a system that tells you to take care of your mental health, but they're not putting in the resources or communicating effectively that right. mental health is a could be a target or issue that you're suffering from that's, you know, taken right. away from your success. You feel me? So mm-hmm. it's just interesting to me, you know, when we talk about the medical dynamic, the medical infrastructure, and for us as black people, I say we got to acknowledge each other, acknowledge each other as the black yes. and black kings and queens that we are. When you see another yeah. black med student or, you know, underrepresented minority in the field of medicine, like I said, I go up to them, I acknowledge them, I celebrate them, I salute you. And we have to counter and interact with that. And I, I was reading this book by Dr. Rita Walker talking about how we address black mental health in the community. Oftentimes when you see somebody, you like, you know, how, how, how are you today? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's just a generic asking a question. Most of the time, 80 to 90% of the time, people say, oh, I'm fine. But meanwhile, yeah. their best friend got shot or their mother died or they got yeah. into a car accident earlier that morning. Right now. For our and I think that's because we we demonize saying the truth, right? Like right. it's not normal to say that's true. flat that's out, this happened to me, I'm right? And like a really crappy day, exactly. Because then <laughs> right. it's like if I tell you, how are you going to react, or how right. are you going to help the situation, right? So I think it's the right. the fear of the unknown when someone tells the truth, and I think yeah. we need to right. like really we need to start normalizing like being honest if mm-hmm. someone asks us that question because right. it allows healing to happen right versus yes. just bottling up things inside mm-hmm. and yes. just saying oh yeah things are fine and then moving about your day so yes. that's a that's a good point that you brought up aldwin yes mm-hmm. even if the person that you telling that to can't necessarily help but the fact that you let somebody know and hopefully they're empathetic or sympathetic to what's going on with you and can sit down with you or maybe who knows that person could be like hey i got this therapist mm-hmm. or oh you got into accident oh yeah i got this body man that could put you on real quick right, right. or whatever the case may be and uh, like uh isabella I, yeah that's definitely i think one of the most important things that we could do is go beyond that step right and say how are you feeling today right right how is your day overall going? Right? How are your emotions? Are you feeling supported today? You know, mm-hmm. Taking that next step and asking the necessary questions to see truly is, is a person feeling well or not? Because we are just in this kind of, you know, this escapade of, you know, running to work, going to work, going to rotations, studying all the time, but not acknowledging that we as human civilization, as human beings, we were built off of connections, the social connections that we breathe into life are what is life because at the end of the day at the end of your life you're not gonna the materials are gonna go away right the Mm -hmm. the houses the cars but what stays with you is a legacy that you leave and the connections that have persisted 
through your challenges, right. your ups and downs. Those are the memories that people remember about you. And I think people have to celebrate that more so than kind of kind of even even the sense of medicine, like even becoming that doctor or even becoming that journalist. Right. It's right. chasing the relationships and connections that will make you feel whole, because that is what it at least to me means to be truly human. And that needs to be manifested, I feel, in the mental health space, in our communities, where we talk about it, where we're, we're about it, and we're not afraid. Even one of my boys on my block, he, he he has PTSD. I maybe mentioned this, but he got shot in the head, you feel me, like mm-hmm. like last year or two years ago. And anytime he walks down the same block that he got shot at, or he sees that same car, or he sees that same bag with the same print from that same grocery store, he automatically gets panic attacks. He like literally right. just can't handle himself. You feel me? Right. But yeah. he told me himself, like, oh, I can't even, I can't even verbalize that because you're the only brother that understood that. You know what I mean? Right. Like, he tells other people that, like, yo, nah, bro, you bugging. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, yeah. why are you shivering? Why are you like getting all angsty? Like, you know what I mean? Because right. they don't understand like mental trauma manifests physically. So, oh, yeah. guys, point of the matter is. Get a therapist, seek help when you need to, communicate how you feel, and don't be afraid, man or woman, right, to connect to your greater purpose and connect to the community that that surrounds you and the social support that's within yourself and individuals that are that are around you. you know what I mean, and you know, since since we are we we cater to or maybe not cater to, but we're geared towards medical professionals, right, as the yeah. Student National Medical Association, so. A lot of these issues impacting uh, mental health among healthcare professionals are systemic. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> for example, <laughs> resident working out, right? Resident working hours, malignant programs, hierarchical abuse, mm-hmm. championing uh, unhealthy behaviors in medical culture, and these need to be addressed to improve overall wellness. Mm-hmm. Obviously, right? We need mm-hmm. to work on that. But there are also ways that individual habits can positively or negatively impact mental health. So, yes, what are I guess I'll I'll give some of mine first, but I want you guys to think about it as well. Some ways that you take care of your mental or to keep your mental right. Um, like self-care wise. So mm-hmm. I make sure that I do like mindfulness. Um, mm-hmm. I, I found this little like 10 minute mindfulness meditation when I feel myself getting really, really anxious and I try to do it more often than not. So it's not just something I go to when I'm having an issue. Um, right. I also make sure that I take a hot shower at the end of my day. And I know some dermatologists might tell me not to take a super hot shower, but I haven't, I haven't jumped off that. I haven't jumped off that bandwagon yet. It just, it helps me like decompress. Um, So that's another way that I engage in self-care. And then I like to file my nails. It relaxes me. It makes me feel like, you know, I'm doing (laughs) something to keep myself. Yeah. I will literally be in the middle of lecture because we still online. (laughs) Like, let me shape my nails right now. Period. Make sure that I'm good, and it it keeps me it keeps it's me dope. grounded. Yeah. yeah. So what are what are some of your self care habits? I love those, girl, because that's close to mine. I mean, like mm. I think um, so. A lot of my self care is tied towards reflection and thinking, um, because I've realized that in this life we don't, especially like we were saying in America, which is always on go 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 go. Yeah. When do we take the time to sit down and just think? 
right. about how our day went, reflecting on our emotions and the emotions that we felt throughout the day. Why did we feel those emotions? Why did the situation that happened around lunchtime make you feel anxious? Um, why was that conversation you had with your peer mm-hmm. um, something that brought you a little bit of peace of mind? I think these are all things you have to think about because when you can sit down and just like take time to think about like the reason why you you felt a certain way in certain spaces and then being able to reflect on that, it allows you to be more in tune with your body and mm-hmm. the, the way that your body speaks to you, right? Because I was telling you guys that I'm a big proponent on listening to your intuition. Like I think that intuition is the driving force yes. that allows us to make decisions in our life when you don't even have an explanation as to why you made a decision, but you just knew that you had to make that decision. Something mm-hmm. was telling you like, no, like I have to do this. That's to me, the, the closest thing you can have to like God being right next to you, which is like listening to your intuition, because I think God speaks through intuition. Mm-hmm. And for me, what I've loved to do like these days, the way I've been, you know, <laughs> I've been catering to my intuition is that if I feel like I'm in a space that I have no business being in, I will get up and leave. And I won't apologize for it. I've done that Good. a couple of times this week. Good for you. Good I'm for like, you. you know what? I'm like, you know what? This space, this space isn't serving me. I don't like it. Look, I'm not it feeling okay here. Mm. I'm leaving. It. And I left, I you know, like it. I've done, I've done it a couple of times. I've left parties impromptu. Right. I've left lectures impromptu. And it's like, right. I don't, I needed to do that. I don't know why. Is right. something was just telling me I don't need to be here. And I leave. And that to me has been self-care because before I would force myself like, oh, like you just need to rough it through, just stick it out. No. Mm. Why? Like, mm. why do that when you don't, when something's telling you that you don't, like, that's this real. place isn't serving you right now. And I think mm-hmm. that that's what I've been doing these days for my self-care is just listening to my body and honoring it versus just trying mm-hmm. to speak against it. Right. I love that. Like, just having the, just the word with all and like you said, the instinct instinct and intuition to be like, yo, bump this. Like, I'm not feeling mm-hmm. like, yep. walk out there, I bet you'd be walking out there like in slow motion, <laughs> like in the matrix, like, yeah, I'm like, come on, forget what y'all talking about, right? <laughs> I can't. Oh, wait, 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 Alma, before you go, another uh, um, honorable mention for self-care that I failed to mention, oh, do yeah, not disturb, do not disturb on the phone. Okay. Go ahead. Love that. You're, you're up. Go ahead, go ahead. D&D. <laughs> uh, I got my D&D on from 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. So I know I know that exact feeling. But for me, you know, some some one of mine is just literally like being in nature. You no know, studies show that being in nature 15 to 20 minutes a day can reduce your levels mm. of stress by 40 percent. I mean, wow. And I recently went to Guyana and checked out one of the biggest falls, Kator Falls in Guyana. Shout out to Guyana on the Guyanese people. Shout and- out Guyana. And just being there and just seeing the water dropping and just the, the, the birds chirping, the natural air, like non-pollution, you know, even things like that. Like we take for granted here in America, we're just surrounded by so much noise. Like you heard earlier in the podcast, police like, like coming down, like even those right. little nuances could affect your health and people don't even realize that. Um, right. I, secondly, I think uh, another thing that, that I love to do is yoga, like um Erica mentioned mindfulness, being aware. Um, yoga is not just a form of, you know, the physical manifestation of how you, you know, interact with your body and your awareness, but it's also a thought, right? A thought mm-hmm. of having peace, a thought of creating a, a dynamic for your life and creating purpose and a sense of integrity and understanding of where you want to go. 
and how to navigate uh, specific situations. People see right. yoga and it's like, yeah, you got to do all these. Mo-. No, there's different facets and forms of yoga. You know what I mean? Outside right. of that. Uh, so becoming more in tune with that, becoming more in tune with my purpose on this earth, because even in my last rotation on in the ER, you know, I saw several people die, you know, and I, I immediately acknowledged like nothing is guaranteed again. Right. I mean, granted, like we're here, but nothing is guaranteed for tomorrow. And so just creating a livelihood and a sense of importance and mm-hmm. knowing who I am and wh- like what I want to do in this short time frame that I have. Um, right. Journaling is another thing that I like to do as well. Um, I do that like every other day, just journal some thoughts about how my day is going, how I feel. And actually, it's actually inspiring, motivating mm-hmm. to me because at the end of my journal, I write future neuropsychiatrist signing out <laughs> kind of thing. Just to remind yeah, myself yeah, yeah, of yeah, like, you got to claim it, claim what you want. Self-affirmation. You know? yeah, yeah. That's important. So that's, right. that's three of my like self-care tips. Oh, and make sure yo guys don't be afraid, bro. Like, yo, get, get your manicure and your pedicure, bro. Like stop fronting on Period. it. I'll be getting my oh, pedicures yeah. and like, that's, that's self-care. I just sit down, let the lady do her thing and open my books. <laughs> I too, I too courses. go to the nail salon. I forgot to mention that. Yes. I'd be yeah. in the nail salon every three weeks. <laughs> Can't forget it. about that. Period. Um, <laughs> you feel me? You feel good. You look good. You're going to do good. And that's how you conquer Great. the world at the end of the day. Yeah. You're going to walk out there yeah. like, I'm ready to back some chicks like my feet on fleek, about to hit this beach <laughs> and swag, surf on them. I love it. I But thank you guys so much for coming up with these tips. These are, these are really, really good. And honestly, like you mentioned earlier, Erica, mm-hmm. a large part of what is maybe driving poor mental health among physicians is systemic in nature. Mm-hmm. And so how do you guys think, like, how do we begin to address the systemic problems that exist to create a healthier lifestyle for healthcare professionals at every level of training? Like, if you guys could do something about it, what is it that you would do? And I think, well, you know, personally, there's just been a, a huge, like, a, a huge influx of people speaking out about, yeah. like, burnout, especially amongst mm-hmm. the physician workforce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's, like, an article, actually, that was written that kind of talked more about that. And there's one quote that they said, which um, I think is uh, meaningful to bring up, is, mm-hmm. quote, they believe, as I do, that physician cynicism, exhaustion, and decreased productivity are sim- symptoms of a broken system. Economic mm-hmm. force... Te- technological demands and widespread in- widespread intergenerational physician mental health wounds have culminated in a highly dysfunctional and toxic healthcare system in which we find ourselves in daily forced betrayal of our deepest values. Mm-hmm. So, what do you what comes to mind when you guys you know hear something like that? You know, for me, just coming to a realization, and uh, you know, we are as physicians oftentimes we're viewed in uh, like we're like you know godlike in a way right we are without error we we are perfect just like how we view celebrities right do Mm -hmm. what your physicians say or you're going to be in trouble but we Mm -hmm. ourselves are just as human as anybody else and the studies show over 50 percent of physicians experience some form of burnout right Mm -hmm. and um from the year 2003 to december 2016 there was a study that looked at how many individuals committed suicide 170,000 individuals committed suicide from the study and 0.5 percent were physicians which accounted for about 767 individuals Mm -hmm. with that being said and i've seen this over the last year uh, at a hospital right near me in the bronx three 
uh, three uh, residents committed suicide in the same year. I mean, mm, in the same program. Tragic. I mean, that and for tragic. various one, you know, for various reasons, I believe one of them was uh, he was, uh, you know, a homosexual male. And then the other one was they were dealing with stressors for one reason or another. But regardless, I think that we got to have a space where we feel comfortable to say, hey, like, I'm not feeling good today. Hey, I'm not able to work today. Like when you think about us being humans, medicine requires so much of us, so much sacrifice. You, I'm, I'm texting a lot of my friends that residents now is like oh i'm tired already they just started last month it's like yeah i'm on my fifth day on like we weren't meant to be working and turning ourselves out and medicine creates this infrastructure where we talk about more injury where we're working so 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 hard that we're not able to replace the cup that we're you know giving out right we're giving out so much of the of the Mm -hmm. fluids from that cup to everybody else but we can never have enough time to fill it in we don't have enough time to see our patients we don't have enough time to create high quality care one of my preceptors two rotations ago in family medicine she literally took you know she quit her job and is like yo i'm taking three four months off i'm trying to have a baby the last eight years medicine burnt me out i was literally about to commit suicide and i'm not with this game i'm and now she's leaving the corporation game and now she's creating her own practice for a healthy for a black woman but nonetheless to say that sometimes we got to take the initiative and got got to go against the status quo and not accept things for what they are you know if you're in a position where you feel like you're not healthy where you feel like you're not safe we gotta we gotta be comfortable enough to let people know, um, and I feel like oftentimes in a lot of residencies that's not really an avenue of success for them, and it's unfortunate because, you know, recently they mandated the eighty hour work week a couple of years ago, four or five years ago, and mm-hmm. medicine is kind of trying to tune itself away from the malignancy and and things of that nature, but it's still there. There's still that underlying misunderstanding of what mental health means you know you got all of these ogs saying yeah i worked 120 hours a week so they should work 120 hours a week what's with this 80 hour mandate it's bs (laughs) like no it don't it don't work like that you know what i mean like we want we got to work hard and learn what we need to to be physicians but not at the expense of our own mental health where we are dying or committing suicide at a higher rate at least twice the general population we are experiencing stress, anxiety, depression at a higher rate than the general population. And we are having physical and psychological long-term effects from this. And we continue to persist on in seeing our patients and continue to persist on in working for a system that is not necessarily meant for us to be conducively successful in, you feel me? So it is disheartening, but I think that things are changing. And I think we as residents or future residents and medical students, we got to, instead of accepting things for what they are, we got to go to the forefront and tell these people like, yo, y'all got to do something about this. Because I'd be talking to residency directors like, yo, what are y'all doing for mental health? What are y'all resources? You know, I'd be listening. You know? be like, eh, I'm not feeling that. That's a red flag. You know what I mean? Because I'll come up there. I'll let, I let it be known. I'm not scared. Like, I'm one of those. I'll be a radical and say, yo, y'all not doing enough. Let's see what it is and let's conquer this, let's tackle this so that everybody, if everybody's safe, you know what I mean? I feel that. I think Auburn kind of summed it up. So I'm with, I'm with all of that. Right. (laughs) That's, that's cap. You guys, you got more to say. Come on, son. Nah, you did. You you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it takes somebody to actually make change to, to like say, you know, there's a problem, identify somebody that can help, with the problem like a superior right. like a champion and then actually make some noise because people sit right. around quiet so 
Right. I'm with, I'm with it. Everything you said, bro. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? I appreciate that. But I think this was like a dope conversation, man. We we talked about some great points from mental health, physician burnout, moral injury. We talked about how it affects us as medical students, how it affects our communities. And this discussion is not going away. Like, we got to continue to promote the importance Thanks. of mental health and its involvement in our society, in our culture. But, you know what I'm saying, we could talk about this, like, even longer. You know what I mean? We probably going to have another dedicated episode on this in the future. Who knows? But <laughs> I'd love to hear from all the listeners, like, what's your thoughts as well? You know, if you have any self-care tips or want to share your feelings about our current system's impact on mental health, you got to make sure you email us. Email us at podcast at snma.org. To me, part of mental health is physical health from head to B. I mean, so next up, we got Erica. You know, she did the interview solo dolo, so I'm kind of tight. But anyway, it's all good. But she, <laughs> she, 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 she chatting with Dr. Roxanne Clark, a podiatrist and business owner. That's yes, dope. Son different on the importance of taking care of your feet as part of taking care of yourself. I mean, let me get my feet. <laughs> so shout out to Erica for holding that down. Appreciate you. Love you. Bless you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of SNMA Presents the Lounge. Today we have with us a very special guest, um, my big sister from our illustrious Hampton University. She is a podiatrist, uh, Dr. Roxanne Clark. So I already mentioned, graduate of Hampton University in Hampton, Virginia, where she obtained her Bachelor of Science in Biology. She also obtained her Master of Science in Medical Science and Research from Hampton. Uh, Dr. Clark then attended New York College of Podiatric Medicine and obtained her doctorate in podiatric medicine. She received further training at New York Methodist Hospital in Brooklyn, New York, where she continued and finished extensive training in podiatric medicine and reconstructive foot and ankle surgery. Dr. Clark now practices in Midtown Manhattan, as well as several neighborhoods in Brooklyn, New York. Dr. Clark, she's done so much, you guys, really. I mean, she is so dope. She's also a published author in the Journal of Foot and Ankle Surgery and is the chief scientific officer at a comfortable footwear startup company, Ally Shoes. Dr. Clark is board certified in minimally invasive uh, foot and ankle surgery, and we want to welcome her to the show today. Hello, hello, everybody. Thank you, Erica, for having me. Thank you, SNMA, for inviting me to talk um, about, you know, anything life. you guys want to hear about. <laughs> we want to hear about it all. <laughs> we want to hear about it all, literally. Um, and I'm just, again, thank you for being here. Um, we really appreciate you for coming on the show today. So we'll get into some questions. Um, first, how did you choose or come to choosing your career in podiatry? Okay. Um, I felt like podiatry chose me. I don't know. I'll explain. Mm. Um, so 
you know, after I finished um, my bachelor's at uh, Hampton, um, actually for that, um, you know, I took organic chemistry mm-hmm. my third year in college. Um, and that was like my toughest subject. And I, I deem myself a good student, but it made me really think like, if I'm having trouble with this uh, subject, am I really going to make it in medical school? So it made me pause and think. So mm-hmm. while I paused and thought, um, I heard about the master's program um, for medical science at Hampton. I was like, okay, maybe I could just continue learning, you know, and continue thinking about whether, you know, I should go this uh, route. Right. So, um, you know, I did two years, of my master's and in the program, it helps you prep for, you know, um, MCAT or any other graduate uh, standardized test that you want to take if it's, you know, uh, just grad school, you know, getting your uh, PhD or um, any other master's program. But of course, I focused on, you know, the MCAT because I really wanted to work in medicine. So as I was, you know, preparing for the MCAT, finishing uh, this program, I was starting to get um, literature in the in my mail about Mm -hmm. podiatry. I was like, what's podiatry? Like, you know, is it like, you know, chiropractic? Like, what is it? Right. So I did my research, you know, and I knew I wanted to do something surgical and, you know, orthopedic surgery would have been my um, my choice, you know, if I had gone the allopathic route. Mm-hmm. Um, I shadowed a orthopedic surgeon um, my second year, um, second summer um, in the master's program, and I did not enjoy my experience um, shadowing, um, not downplaying, you know, ortho, like, you know, I have a whole bunch of ortho colleagues and they're amazing and, you know, God bless them and, you know, what they do and what they have to go through. Um, but I just felt like I didn't fit, you know, and I feel like as you, as you finish medical school and as you actually, as you do these rotations, you kind of find, uh, your personality, where your personality fits. Like, of course, mm-hmm. there are going to be things that you're super interested, but you're also going to figure like, am I this type of doctor? Because, you know, I feel like mm-hmm. each specialty has a certain personality. Do you fit that personality? Do you fit that lifestyle? Or do you want that lifestyle for yourself? So right. as I'm shadowing this ortho doc, I was like, I don't know if this could be my life. Like, I, I can't see myself doing this, which was kind mm-hmm. of discouraging. So going back to the podiatry uh, mail outs that I was getting, um, I'm reading about it. I'm, I'm going on the internet researching. I'm like, hey, this is like lower extremity focused. You know, this is surgical. You know, let me find out more. So I called the school in New York College and they were like, hey, you know, if you're in town, you know, because I was still at Hampton, like, and when, whenever you're in New York, you should come and visit us, we'll give you a tour, we'll set you up to um, shadow, you know, one of the nice. um, podiatrists, um, right in the city. I was like, Oh, this is, you know, this is something. So I shadowed um, podiatrist in the city. And he was act- absolutely happy. 
His patients were happy. And, you know, he just had the lifestyle and the vibe and the personality that I fit into. Like, I was like, I can do this. This is where I want to be. So I ended up applying. I mean, after my MCAT, ended up applying. I got accepted. And, you know, um, and I guess here I am throughout that that. whole process. Yeah. That's amazing. You said, you know, podiatry chose you. And I wonder how many of our, we call our listeners loungers. I wonder Mm. how many of our loungers could actually relate if they're in rotations now or even in residency, how they actually decided to go into their specialty or, you know, when they're thinking now, making the decisions, ERAS is right around the corner. So that's insightful. And I, I hope everybody gets that same type of a revelation you know like this is where I fit and doesn't get discouraged because you also mentioned you know the organic chem thing which gets all of us let's be real (laughs) I I think so I haven't met one person in the medical field was that was like oh organic chem was a breeze like I I haven't met that person yet yeah me either Um, either. not to say that they they weren't they didn't get an A in it but yeah I, I have not met somebody that um was like oh organic chem that was cake that was nothing right i've never heard that so you you kept going and you didn't let that stop you i love that and i think that's the key like if if i don't give any encouragement on on this uh lovely cast (laughs) is is to keep going like if this is what you want if you see yourself if you can Picture and visualize yourself at the end of this journey. You you must keep going. Mm-hmm. You must keep going. You know, right. take breaks if you need to, but keep mm-hmm. going. You know, so. All right, here comes your Chase Quick Pay offering for that word tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Sending it your way. <laughs> no, so. no, no, no offerings, no offerings. <laughs> I know how beds. Medical students and residency, residency, Listen, all their points. So yes, every last one, Doctor Clark. Just pay it every forward. Just one. pay it forward. Pay it forward. Don't pay it a- to me. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely. So, all right. So we know how you chose your career in podiatry. Now, there is a lot that goes into mental wellness, just in school in general. For any, I mean, I, I won't say any, but especially for the medical fields that we're in. Um, So how did you or do you maintain, let's talk did and do. So when you were in podiatry school, how did you maintain your own physical and mental well-being? And then how, how have you seen that continue as you've been in practice? So, um, it's, it's, it's very interesting in the beginning. Um, you know, because I have not taken a break from school. Like I went straight from, you know, undergrad to grad to um, pediatric medical school. So, um, so when in my first year, here's a story. So in my first year, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I can treat this like college slash grad school at Hampton. So I, you know, got my, you know, coursework, of course, and then there were like extracurriculars and they had like a basketball team, you know, they didn't have a dance team because I did the dance team at Mm -hmm. Hampton, but I used to play basketball. So I was like, oh, this would be a good way to like 
stay physical and, you know, have something to do besides studying. So I joined the intramural basketball team and the guys team and the girls team would practice um, together and we would compete against other podiatry schools in the country. There's like at the time I went to school, there were five, there there's six now. So, um, yeah, so it, it was really a nice bonding experience. You get to meet other people in other States, you know, um, that are in the same path as you. But anywho, one of the practices, I ruptured my Achilles tendon. <laughs> oh, gosh. And this, was, and this was my first week of podiatry school. Oh, um, no. <laughs> ruptured my Achilles tendon. Um, you know, I was surrounded by fellow students. So, like, they were able to, like, diagnose it, you know, immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the clinic that we have adjacent to our school. So um, New York College of Podiatric Medicine is connected to Foot Clinics of New York, which is in Harlem on 125th and Park Avenue. So we went, they took me straight downstairs to um, one of our professors who was covering clinic and um, pretty much I had to get surgery scheduled on my Achilles because it was like a complete uh, rupture. It was bad. First week of podiatry school. Okay, so I get the surgery, and this is all within a week's time. And then the first week also was like white coat ceremony. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, got the surgery, try not to miss class, like I'm hobbling. And, you know, um, I'm just saying because saying all this because it wasn't like my a typical first week of school. Like I've right. had, I had some obstacles. So anyhow... Mm-hmm. So um, healing from the surgery, which is like a whole, you know, two and a half month recovery in a cast or boot. And then, you know, a year of physical therapy just to walk normally. Um, mm. It took me a year again to wear heels again, which which we'll get to mm, later. Mm, mm, mm. Um, <laughs> so for that whole year, um, at least for half of my first year, I spent a lot of time alone, like when everyone was socializing, because, you know, um, most of us hung out in Upper East Side, you know, near our school or Harlem. And whenever we got a free chance, we would either go out, you know, and socialize. I couldn't do any of that stuff because, you know, I was in a cast, I was in crutches. So that led to like, you know, uh, depression, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So... And it, it kind of affected, you know, I think my, I did fine, but it affected my performance. And when I finally was able to get back to normal, it just made me appreciate things more. So um, that story is to say, you know, have a good, um, you know, I, I would call it work because it is work to be in school work and personal life balance. You have to find that. Like mm-hmm. school is important, but you have to find the time to do things that you enjoy before you started going to school. That's the mental health aspect. Right. right the other right, thing right. is, um, I think the reason why, you know, I ruptured my Achilles, I was so deconditioned, you know, um, in college and grad school, I was very active. I was dancing like four hours a day. And then I went to like not really doing anything, you know. Mm. And then I started this aggressive, rigorous uh, basketball 
training and then like ruptured my Achilles. So um, it's very important to maintain your physical health as well, because if that goes down the drain, it can lead to, you know, a downturn in your mental health and that's vice versa. Like, you know, if you're not feeling good, you're not going to want to do the things. If you're not doing the things, you're not going to feel good. So um, good work, uh, personal life balance, fun and, you know, but, you know, do your work, but have fun too, you know? Absolutely. Um, so that's what I learned my first uh, year of um, school. And then when you get to residency, it's a whole nother ball game. Um, that's what everybody says. It's like a, like a learning curve. Yeah, and... it's a learning curve. And you are, it's your first experience as an adult doctor, even though you're not an, a, quite an adult doctor. Like right. the, the, I wouldn't say the, um, not repercussions, I can't find the word right now, but the consequences of your mistakes, you feel them harder. So for instance, you're in school, you didn't quite study for this portion or chapter of, of you know, a subject for the test. You missed a couple of questions. You don't get the score that you wanted, or you may not pass, right? May mm-hmm. not pass that test. So it's like, oh, man, I didn't pass this test. You know, am I going to pass this class? Whereas in residency, it's like, oh, I made a mistake on this medication order. Um, I may have almost killed the patient. Right. It's different. Completely different. (laughs) Completely different. different. You know, so so that's why it's very important. And going back to what I'm saying, make sure you have that balance because, you know, um, it's easier to make mistakes mistakes when you're not well rested, you're not getting the right nutrition, you're not doing the things that you enjoy outside of work. It's very easy to like make mistakes, you know. Got it. That um, makes sense. We're going to make mistakes as humans, but if you can control that and then absorb as much as you can during that time. That's when you really learn. I mean, school you do learn the stuff, but this is Residency is where you like really learn to be a doctor and, you know, you have an idea of whether this is what you want to do for the rest of your life. So. Thank you for all of that info. It sounds heavy. Um, but it sounds you, heavy, but it, you can do it. You can do yeah. it. Mm-hmm. You can it's do doable. it. You now, know, in, so. in, in residency, right, what yes. or rotations for everyone everybody's on their feet all the time that's the one thing mm-hmm. i hear like oh my back hurts oh my feet hurt oh, yeah. oh this oh yeah. that so if you could give like two to three tips on how medical students when they're starting rotations continuing rotations even in residence what they can do to help maintain good foot health and even yes. you know just overall body health what would you suggest okay so number Um, as a student, I remember standing a lot because I did a lot of like surgical um, rotations as a student. Um, Of course, in residency, I was in the OR a lot. So I'm standing on my feet a lot. If I'm not standing, I'm running around the hospital, seeing patients, you know, all of that stuff. So you're going to be using your legs and feet a lot. So number one, um, and I didn't find this out until my third year residency. And it was like, dang, I wish I knew this first year. Um, It would have saved me a lot of pain. Um, Compression stockings or socks. Mm, Um, Okay. 
So if you're going from, just an example, sitting in a classroom all day to constantly on your feet on these rotations, it makes a difference. Like your legs, your feet are not used to it. So you, and then you get this tired leg syndrome and it's from like edema or standing on your, um, you know, your feet for a long time. So compression Mm -hmm. stockings really help prevent fatigue in your legs and your feet. So that's one. Number two. Footwear that has a lot of arch support. Mm. Arch support, arch support, arch support. So, you know, Dr. Scholl's, I'm not hating on Dr. Scholl's. Actually, the Chicago school was named after Dr. Scholl's. Um, he erected that school. That's um, the podiatry school in Chicago. Um, okay. But the actual arch supports that you find in Rite Aid, they're not supportive enough um, for people like us that are going to be on our feet for rotations and residency and all of that. Um, two really good arch supports that I recommend to pe- patients and people that I know. Um, Super feet. I do not, um, I'm, they do not sponsor me or anything. I just like their um, arch supports and power okay. step. So super feet and power step. You can find them on Amazon, you know, search them by your uh, shoe size, put them in whatever sneakers or Crocs or whatever sneakers, I would say. Um, And that helps because your arch is like the most important part of your foot. And once and once you wear that out, your whole foot is tired and then you start experiencing these weird pains, especially if you're walking and standing for long periods of time. So that's number two, arch support. Got it. Um, and number three, if you can't get your hands on an arch support, stay away from completely flat shoes. Reason why. Um, just going back to, of course, you know, it's not good for your feet to be completely flat. Like something with like a little lift in the back, like, you know, one, one inch or two inch if you're fancy. But something of like a half an inch or one inch, not, not those ballerina flats, nothing like that. Something with a little heel on it. Um, it helps support your arch too, because, you know, if you're on an incline, your arches become relaxed instead of it being flat on your feet, completely being flat on the ground, your Mm -hmm. arches are lower. So if you have an incline, it, it gives curve to your arch and it also relieves heel pain because you're going to experience that if you're standing or walking for long periods of time. And um, it also helps with your back. It takes a little pressure off of your back um, because it changes your posture. So those are the three things as far as, you know, foot foot and lower extremity uh, health when you're doing these rotations and where you're standing and walking a lot. That's going to save so many people's backs because that's like the number one complaint you hear when yeah. you're not when you're not used to being on your feet for long periods of time. So thank you. You heard it from the expert herself. Get you some compression socks. Get you oh, some four. art support. Oh, a fourth. We got this. Go ahead. I just remember. <laughs> and and you gotta do some type of exercise. Like mm, if you okay. if you run, if you yoga, something that's gonna stretch or work the muscles in your legs. Because you know if you have if you have weakness in your legs, you're gonna feel it even more. Um, in your yeah, back. forgot about that. Yep. Nope. That's go. fine. Thank you for adding. 
Now we we're gonna wrap it up shortly, but there is one thing that I need you to discuss because okay, sure. I I was so excited when I saw that you were a part of a shoe line and not just any shoe line. This is like comfort, quality, sophistication. I mean, a cute shoe because, you know, oh, these these <laughs> you're welcome because, <laughs> you know, they, they, the shoes out here that that uh, promise comfort and support and oh, your back will feel good and your feet won't hurt at the end of the night. They're not cute. Um, right. But you are the chief scientific officer correct of ally shoes that is correct and i just so it's a two-part question so one Mm -hmm. how did you even come to merge like the business side with the clinical side like what what even started that and then um i guess any words of encouragement for our lounges that might want to do the same in their specific or respective fields at some point in their careers. Okay. So I'm going to try to answer these questions as uh, efficiently and concisely as I can without leaving out um, any, anything I think that's important for our loungers to know. So um, I have a friend that, you know, uh, was it? is an athletic trainer and she did a lot of part-time jobs for Nike. She befriended uh, Jeff Henderson, who is uh, one of the uh, big innovators for um, Nike shoe gear and for Cole Haan when they both were, you know, together. Um, mm-hmm. I, she moved to Miami and before she moved to Miami, she had a going away party. I attended as I walked through the door, she's talking to Jeff. And Jeff turns to me. I haven't met Jeff yet. Turns to me. He was like, I heard about you. I'm looking for you. He's pointing at me. And I said, what? I just, I don't know you. I just got here. (laughs) So um, pretty much he left Nike and he started his own um, consulting firm for um, companies that, you know, he has his own shoe company as well, but he consults for a lot of shoe companies um, from all the experience that he's gotten from Nike and just his background great, amazing um, mentor. And he pretty much told me about somebody that had reached out to him via LinkedIn. If you don't have a LinkedIn account, do it because, you know, I've heard so so many (laughs) stories. Yeah. I've heard so many stories about people getting, you know, um, just getting jobs, not even applying for jobs, but people looking at their profile and be like, Hey, do you want to come work for me? So that's the side. So Someone reached out to Jeff on LinkedIn, and that was Samantha Dong, who is the CEO of Ally Shoes. Um, she's a Stanford Business School graduate. She, um, her uh, end of year or end of uh, uh, MBA project was to actually start a business, whatever. And they did this project, and they started the business like their last couple of months in college, and they had to actually sell. So she mm. had a background of uh, you know, uh, hurting her foot during a mountain climb. And she's a really petite girl and she always wears heels and she couldn't wear heels. She couldn't find a comfortable heel to wear. So she made this prototype, which was okay. Um, and her classmates liked it and bought it. So anyway, she reached out to Jeff on LinkedIn. It's like, Hey, I just need your experience on how to make this better. 
Jeff and um, Jeff introduced me to Samantha and she showed me her prototype. And as soon as I saw it, I said, well, this is wrong. You need to do this, blah, blah, blah. And this was just a talk over like French fries at a diner. And she was like, you need to join, um, you need to join the company. So she hired, yeah, she hired me as a consultant at first. And, you know, I try to, you know, give hundred, you know, hundred percent. Of course you want to be paid for what you're doing, but she realized the amount of work I was doing. She wasn't able um, to just pay me on a consulting fee. So mm-hmm. she made me a equity partner of the company and I took the title um, chief scientific officer. So pretty much wow. um, I apply everything that I learned in, you know, podiatry school, especially, you know, my biomechanics course and um, surgery courses. And then on all the things that I hear my patients in practice complain about, especially when it comes to heels. And mm-hmm. I applied it to the shoe technology that we have, um, you know, to make it feel like you're not wearing a heel. So all the problems and issues that women have with heels, um, we try to, you know, negate that. And um, it's something we're proud of because we're, you know, a women's own company. And, you know, most shoe companies, especially luxury heel companies, they're they're owned by men. Their mm, designers yep. are men, you know. Nothing against yep. men, but our, a population of women wear heels and have been wearing heels for the longest, you know. Exactly. They're, they're, there are men that wear heels out there, but, you know, we're the biggest consumer of heels, I believe. Um, we are. We percentage of population, population-wise, right? Until yep. someone come, tells me other uh, percentages of that. So, um, so yeah, so definitely that's how I got started. So I guess my advice for, for any lounger that's excited about entrepreneurship, there's so many opportunities where medicine is merging with beauty and fashion. Um, you know, uh, another sidebar. While I was taking my biomechanics course, they, mm-hmm. you know, sh- talked about shoe modification and what deformity this would work in and blah, blah, blah. And in my head, I was like, hmm, what if I went to Italy and I designed shoes? I took all this knowledge and I went to Italy and designed shoes because I don't like ugly shoes. Like, right. I hate ugly <laughs> shoes. So I kind of Same. manifested, <laughs> right. I kind of manifested it because I was thinking about like taking a sabbatical from, you know, school and then studying Italy for six months and then coming back and, you know, doing that. And then, you know, this happened and wow, it's been an amazing experience. So, um, beauty and fashion wants people that know about medicine because I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic, you know, health seems to be now in most cases, a very important thing. Um, beauty for sure. Um, and, you can definitely be an asset of someone's company or create your company with the knowledge that you have in medicine, you know, because mm-hmm. um, beauty really does come from the inside and is extended out. So, um, so yeah, if you want to do it, you know, dream that dream and then make that dream a goal, you know? 
Um, I think that's the, the best advice I can give. Oh, and get that LinkedIn profile. I'm telling you. I'm telling <laughs> <Yes>. you. <laughs> and LinkedIn also, works wonders. <laughs> it does. And also expand your um, expand your education. Meaning once you get out of medical school, once you get out of residency, there's so much other things to learn, you know. Um, and if you're interested in it, learn it. So you can have it on your, your tool belt and add it to your LinkedIn profile and somebody be like, oh, this doctor knows about, you know, um, this is just an example, knows about um, injectables and how it's properly administered in areas of the face or the body mm-hmm. because they've had the medical training. Like, I'm really sick of hearing these stories about, you know, these backroom uh, plastic surgeries done by people that have not even picked up one biology textbook. You understand? At all. At all. <laughs> and they're plentiful. So, These stories are oh, plentiful yes. at this point. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. So I, I'm tired of hearing it, about it. I want to see, you know, you know, our profession embrace, you know, not just, you know, taking care of people when they're sick or something happens, you know, doing something that makes them feel good, you know. Um, and I feel like... Uh, I'm fulfilling that with the shoe company. Um, so, yeah. I love That's, it. I, I think I think I've answered both parts of the question. You definitely have. Very detailed, very thoroughly. <laughs> Thank you so much. Just like a Hamptonian would I'm all try, day. I try, you know? It's hard, it's hard not to, right? They, it's instilled in you. It is, still. absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Dr. Clark, I, yes. I, you know, I, the love I have for you runs deep. So I am, oh. I'm again so appreciative that you joined us today. If oh, our lounge, oh, thank you. If our loungers would like mm-hmm. to reach out to you or follow you on social media, where can they do that? So you can follow me on my personal page. Um, it's Dr. Roxy C seven at um that's my Instagram handle. Um or my professional Instagram page, whichever one you'd like. Um and that has more of like what I do with my shoe stuff, um, and what I do in the office and stuff. That is Arvinel Podiatry. Um that's on um, my professional Instagram. Um mm-hmm. You can reach out to me on those. DM me if you, you know, have any questions. I'm I'm easier to get in touch with on Instagram than any platform. I could give you my email, but you know, it's no, we'll stick to your Instagram. Yeah, (laughs) that's fine. (laughs) And it's just so you guys know, it's it's D R R. O X X I C E E seven. And then the R Vanel podiatry is on her page. So you can look her up. It's literally in her bio. So yes. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of SNMA presents the lounge. We hope you all enjoyed this interview with Dr. Clark and stay tuned for updates about what's to come with the lounge. Thanks guys. Bye, everyone. Thank you for having me. Thank you again to our guest speaker, Dr. Roxanne Clark, for sharing her time and thoughts with us. Now, on to our new segment of the show, The Financial Corner. We on a corner. We 
on the corner. Welcome to the financial corner. Wait. We're outside. We, on we the- are not on the corner. <laughs> we're not on the corner. I'm on my desk. I'm at my desk. Not that kind of, the, the corner of financial literacy and education. And empowerment. All right? yeah. Not that kind of corner, though. All right. You know, the, yeah. But anyway, so our tip today is how to learn to navigate, how to make money work for you instead of working for the money. Oftentimes in our society, put in, people put in so many hours working constantly, nonstop, without even realizing that the money that you're making in a nine-to-five job, you could capitalize on that money and even build forth more wealth and more knowledge and more financial resources with that. So with that being said, here's some of the tips that I think we should employ, especially as medical students or pre-med students. One of the things that I started doing, I actually bought a car off of an auction. It's called Copart.com. And mm-hmm. I got a I got a 2020 Nissan Altima, the 2020 Nissan Altima, and I, I got it for $7,000. Like, it's worth $20,000. Now, it's in a body shop right now, but I'm flipping the car, you know, making making sure, you know, he's working on the body, building on it. I'm probably going to spend about four or $5,000 for a car that's worth seventeen, eighteen thousand dollars $18,000. So it's about 27,000 miles on the car. So I could do one of two things, you feel me? I could sell the car and make five, $6,000 off of it, or I could do an alternative route, which is what I plan to do, is I could keep it as my main car, but also use it for Toro. Toro was like a platform where you could rent cars. It's kind of like the Airbnb for cars. Now, me mm-hmm. being in Atlanta, it works well for me because everybody named Mama flying to Atlanta every weekend. You feel That's me? Facts. And I'm right. not that far from the airport where I could drive down the car and then they could rent the car and do what it do. And Tura is very seamless and is very fast and efficient to use. And and you could actually get even more bread if they decide that they want to um, they want you to come and meet them at a specific spot or they want they want you to come and meet them at the airport. You could add up to fifty to hundred dollars to make oh, one. Wow. And on average, you could make anywhere per day with the whip I got, you could probably hit like $90, for a day. You know what I'm saying? Like, so with that being said, if you got a car that got car payments, let's say the car payment is like $500, $600 a month. If you rent the car like five, six days out of the month, you be straight. Like you're already covering your car payments. And that's only five, six days out of the month. If you do more, then you're going to get cash flow and surplus on that. You know what I mean? Right. So that's one of the hacks that I would advise you to implore. Another one is, and I, I wish that something, this is something that I wish we could work on as a community. I have a quick question, although yeah, I don't mean yeah. to cut you off. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you know, yeah. I think that's a great, and that's what a lot of people are doing these days, right? which is they're yeah. having, they're investing in something and then basically renting it out, whether that be something like Airbnb, like a home yeah. or mm-hmm. say something like a car through Toro. But right. now to someone like a struggling med student who's living right. off of loans, right. where do they find the capital to invest first right. in the in buying that's the car? That's a good question. Would, right. So so this is actually my next point is if you don't got the initial capital, number one, I think another thing you can consider is actually getting, and this might be a little more advanced, but it's something, if you play your cards right, you could really make money off of this. You could get it off of credit, you know, off of your own personal credit. And then also you, and if they don't believe in the credit you got, then you could get someone to co-sign on the car and then still navigate yourself back into Toro. Another thing you can do is why not, Instead of working as an individual, work with other people. So get three or four of your friends. Everybody got friends. So 
connect with one of your friends that actually has a job, you know what I'm saying? Or that's working, you feel me? And could put some capital into actually getting a whip. And y'all just negotiate something where y'all, let's say it's 50-50, right? Like whatever we get through this Toro, you know, for instance, like one person might be the individual that's actually arranging to drive the car and meet the person up, right? And the other person is the one that's actually like putting their credit on the line for the actual car right. and putting the down payment on the line. So they don't got to right. worry about that other side. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So if you got soldiers or other people that you can navigate and connect with, and get the actual car and y'all work together and create, you know, a kind of, you know, discourse or discussion about how y'all want to segment the money that's coming in. I think that's a great yeah. ploy. Other communities do it all the time. You know what I mean? Like that's something yeah. that I'm actually working on with one of my other boys in terms of getting my second property with the doctor loan. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. And I think oftentimes, like, we think we got to do everything by ourselves. No, you don't got to do everything by yourself. Why that's not true. do it with somebody, somebody that you trust? Right? right. And always have something documented. Always make sure you get something signed and sealed in case somebody be on that funny, you know, stuff. You know I mean? <laughs> yes, so, sir. Um, point of the matter is make your money work for you and never allow yourself to be in a position where you only have one income. That's one income is only one more than zero income, which is not enough. So you being a physician. That's cool. But what else are you going to be doing? You got real estate. You could be entrepreneur. You could open up your own hookah lounge. You could write books. You could do Toro. You could do a tutoring business. Like one of my boys, mm -hmm. he's a cardiology fellow at Emory. He also mm -hmm. has a side hustle where he does tutoring. And he's like, mm -hmm. I'm making 1400 extra a month. That's paying off my car payment. He got wow. like a, yeah, he got like a, a Camaro. He's just using that. And the rest, he's just saving up and doing whatever. You know what I mean? So just finding these ploys in these areas where you don't necessarily have to work by yourself, but work with other people to get to where you want and get the capital you need in order to amass more wealth. And wealth is, is a longitudinal thing, you know what I mean? And I always believe that for us, we got to work toward it each and every day. You know, people, we, we, we come into this fantasy world where we think money's always going to come so quick. Like maybe the stock market, yes, that could work out there. You feel me? Maybe music, it could work out there too but having the sense of delayed gratification especially us being medical students that delayed gratification can prove to be beneficial so even today you saving up if you want to get that car that new car that you could rent out in toro save five dollars a day you know what i mean that's something better than nothing you know what i mean yep, the make that money work for you and realize inflation is the devil of all money making Right. Because over time, <laughs> money's going to sit there and it's not going to mean nothing. So make sure when you get that money, you pull it up and use it to buy a house, buy a property, buy a business, buy someone else's buy truck, land, buy people. land, all of that. God is not making any more of it. So buy your <laughs> land. That's a fact. <laughs> no, it's true. That, oh, listen, Oprah said that. That's I don't remember when, but that's the one thing that we're not getting no more. And if Oprah said it, it's signed, sealed, and delivered. That's all I know. She's been saying things for years, and they've been coming into that's fruition. I'm not going to question Mama Oprah. I love that. Fuck. Oh, yes. <laughs> Buy some land, people. Let's get that land. Y'all trying to get that land, though? Like, we'll talk about it later. I actually but. like that idea. I think I want to purchase land one. I think, yeah, that sounds, that sounds doable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's it for the financial corner. Unless y'all got anything else to say. No, I love it all. Expert. We out the corner then. We out the corner. We out the corner. We inside. Now we heading back. Now we back inside. We back to studying. Back to the grind. The daily grind. Back to the hospitals. <laughs> back, back, back to Erica. Do your thing. 
<laughs> That's our show. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Lounge. You know what? Let us know your thoughts about the discussion we had today by emailing us at podcast at snma.org. <laughs> and be sure to follow the SNMA on all our social media platforms to stay up to date on upcoming events. And if you like what you hear on the show and want to be involved, reach out to podcasts at snma.org to join our team. Thanks so much for watching, guys, and we'll catch you at the next episode. Oh, yeah. I'm listening to that music. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's get it. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Deuces. <laughs> <laughs>